We have now built up a great world-class go-to-market team from marketing to sales to CS. And now it's about being super aggressive when a lot of our competitors and other people are probably not being aggressive and are probably playing the wrong game for the conditions out on the field. That's Mark Killens, the CMO at Airmeet. With a rough 2023 and an economic time that many companies are using to pull back, Airmeet is pulling out all the stops and taking advantage of the open playing field. He's doing that with a well-integrated marketing campaign, and that means he's building a strong ICP and a well-thought-out and communicated project brief with his team, so that way they can deliver on a highly converting and integrated campaign. All of that language in terms of how we're talking about that event and everything comes from the campaign brief. And then every event that we do that's part of one of these campaigns has a brief to go along with it. So it's really easy for us to create copies, emails, social posts, whatever it might be, because it's consistent and it's relevant because we've taken the time to define the story, the theme, like what are we trying to communicate? Today, Mark is going to join us and teach us how he's collecting and leveraging intent data to segment his audiences and create effective campaigns. And we'll learn more about the stack he's built to power it all. My name is Dan. I'm the CEO of the leading tech stack agency, Magal. Each week, I speak to executives and get to find out the strategies and tools they're using to drive revenue. Let's jump into this week's conversation with Mark Killens. My name is Mark Hillens. I'm the CMO at a fast-growing startup named Airmeet. You know, I'm actually a really big fan of Airmeet, so I'm excited to have you here. I've actually been following you for a few years, so this might sound a little awkward, but like you're pretty popular on LinkedIn. You've worked at some really cool companies, right? Like your X Drift, your X HubSpot. But can you tell us a little bit more about Airmeet? Yeah, I'll, I'll do it in one line. Super simple, super easy. We help B2B marketers put on engaging, elegant events with super, super ease. Like make it super easy for those B2B marketers. And ultimately why we help people do that is we're trying to help those marketers grow their pipeline, their revenue and customer loyalty through getting people to engage and experience different types of events throughout the customer journey. And that's it basically. Well, I mean, help me understand, you're saying different type of events, right? So like, I'm assuming it says air. So I think of like the internet or a phone call, right? So like, what type of events does it work with? Yeah, I mean, it started with like online virtual events. It started back in in 2019. The product came to life in Jan 2020. So two months before the pandemic, it was a community. It was an online community tool in the early days. And then the pandemic happened and they were like, wait a minute we need to help people get together from an event standpoint. No one could get together, obviously, with events. So, you know, it was like when Hoppin was rising to that stardom and, and other event companies pivoted to do online virtual events. But it can help you host a 20-person, executive-level, highly curated, branded, uh, engaging type of event to, you know, we hosted a 3,000-person online event the other month. And the beautiful thing about it is, though, and this is the thing I think you'll care so much about, is it gives you so much data. So we track over 75 engagement points within the online or hybrid events we help people host. We also can do some in-person stuff as well, but we're mostly like the online hybrid. And all of that data can be used to give you buying intent signals and customer engagement signals that then go into your CRM or marketing automation system 
And you can do a lot of interesting things with that data, and not to mention just giving it to your SDRs, BDRs, and AEs to act on immediately. It's great for the audience and the attendees because it's a really simple and easy to use platform that looks amazing. But the data that the marketers get is just incredible. Yeah, I can, and that's, I think, one of the big things, like even when we do a webinar in our own company or with our clients, you know, a lot of times we're out there using, and I don't want to name any competitors, but like On24 or Zoom, and we don't get as much of that feedback. And it sounds like the big thing that your tool really provides is we now understand like how people are engaging, knowing how they're going through the content and things like that. Yes, I mean, we will, we will tell you, not just for one event, but like, say you do three or four events over the course of, say, three months or six months, whatever it might be. We'll create a profile for every attendee. We'll help you understand how that person may be engaged pre-event, during event, and post-event. But then we'll also show you the engagement profile across all the events and also do that at the account level. So we're giving you account level intent stuff and data and signals along with contact level intent. And you're able to create different audience segments within the platform. You're able to also use that data to personalize what people see when they enter the event, the calls to action you have in the event, the resources you provide them in the event. It's super cool. What I think I'm really intrigued by, right? So like you've been in MarTech for a really long time. So like HubSpot to Drift, now you're at AirMeet. When you think about like using AirMeet in your own stack, this sounds like you're drinking your own champagne all the time. Yeah, I mean, we believe in using events to grow the business significantly because, you know, I come from the world of content and content has changed a lot in the last 10, 15 years. It used to be a blue ocean. Now it is a very bloody red ocean, if you will. AI is going to make it even more interesting in terms of the quality and the efficacy of that content. But there's a bigger shift that I see happening. It's around the shift of like, do you go to market as a company, or do you go to market as a group of people that represent a company? And that's where events are so much more interesting because events are very people-centric, no matter if it's a webinar, online training, big in-person convention, summit, customer event, whatever it might be, right? All these different types of ways you can get people to join together. It's all about the people. And a lot of the times in the past, content has been about, yes, people create the content, but it's been about a blog article, an ebook, mostly text-based videos definitely become much more popular. And there's a lot of people doing a lot better video these days. But at the end of the day, like a lot of people still overthink video or they overthink uh, how they should be creating content. And for us at Airmeet, it's like, how do you bring the personality of the brand to life? We believe that is through events. And if you have the right technology to then take that engagement data, which is the leading indicator to revenue, from my point of view, the more you can engage with your potential customers and customers, the more chance that engagement will at some point, might not be immediately, but at some point, right, turn into revenue. I love it. And I, I hate to say I'm one of those people that overthink. So I, I can totally respect that. And I, and I do think like there's this pivot from, it was all about like the brand and the company. And I think a lot, a lot of people are getting more human now, which is quite interesting to see. Like, don't get me wrong, we've been humans forever, but it's interesting to watch the cycles of marketing and how it kind of works. So, cause it, it used to be about like the celebrity ambassador and then more and more it's becoming about the people that actually work at the company. So definitely an interesting way to, to, to see how the market has shifted. I'm interested, like 2023 is a tumultuous year. There's no way to say it, right? You, you even said going from basically blue ocean to a red ocean. 
I think everybody's focused on efficiency and profitability. Like if I have to hear the word efficiency again, I might lose my my mind because everybody's saying that. That's always been my motto is we've got to be efficient and effective. But I mean, what are some of your main goals or objectives that you're headed into for this year? When I hear efficiency, Dan, it's like, it feels like you play it safe almost. You're like, oh, you know, it's not, it's not always the case, right? I'm not saying that's definitely not always the case, right? You can be efficient and also be very aggressive. But I think today that's what people think. Well, you got to be more of the defense. You got to be efficient. You can't spend money. You can't, you know, overhire. You can't do all these things. When I think about this year, I think it's about how well are you going to play a different game? Mm. That's what you have to do. Because this company, Airmeet, was founded out of India and was super focused on building a world-class product for the last two to three years, the go-to-market took a back seat. Now, as we entered this chapter two of Airmeet, we have now built up a great world-class go-to-market team from marketing to sales to CS. And now it's about being super aggressive when a lot of our competitors and other people are probably not being aggressive and are probably playing the wrong game for the conditions out on the field. You said it best, man. I'm not going to lie. When people, when everybody else is greedy, you should be nervous. When everybody else is nervous, you should be greedy. And I think going to your point, right? Everybody is doing the same thing. Let's be efficient. Let's cut back. When in a company like your case, this is really your chance to pounce, right? Budgets are going to be able to be extended farther because you're going to be able to get ad spend for cheaper because nobody else is spending nearly as much. So when you think about like this being one of your opportunities, right? What are the objectives you have that are going to push the company forward and help you reach your goals? So yeah, I mean, so ad spend, we should double click on that because like I don't, ad spend is a pay to play demand gen tactic, which I actually like, you know, you have to do a little bit of it, but my opinion, at least the way our business is set up from a ACV standpoint and our ICP and, and all that stuff, ad spend will be a small percentage of my marketing budget. If you think about our goals of, hey, we want to increase engagement within our ICP and within North America and raise the awareness of the brand and how we can help people. And we want to acquire more of the right customers. And you know, our theme for 2023 is like, winning customers for life. So it means you have to acquire the right customers. You have to help them really be great at hosting events and seeing immense value from the offering. And you need to be building better products and features for those customers, which means ultimately all those things really mean like, hey, focus on net dollar retention, focus on retention of your customers, right? So it's like, that's the end game. I actually think that's the most important metric to marketers these days. It should be, which is the retention metrics. I come from actually a customer success and service background at HubSpot. So I've always had this mentality that, yeah, of course, pipeline and revenue is important. Pipeline is the lifeblood of the business. Revenue is what helps the business grow. But in a SaaS model, what truly helps a business grow, and when you talk about efficiency, the most efficient way you can grow your business is by having strong retention, especially on the dollar side of things too. So like, I say all that because one of our core things that we're going to do, that we are doing this year, is something that a lot of marketing teams don't do, which is integrated campaigns. So we'll unpack integrated campaigns. That's like a safe bet. That's like an obvious thing to me. Done it before. It works extremely well once you get everyone aligned and they understand why this is important, how this is going to help sales, how this is going to help CS and product and how it's going to help those teams. But ultimately, how is how is an integrated campaign approach going to help your customers? 
Now, I heard in some of your main goals there, you had talked about kind of awareness and increasing engagement, right? So you talked about your KPIs as well. You're heavily focused on retention. When I hear like awareness and I hear increasing engagement, right? Like, don't get me wrong. You can increase engagement on the top of the funnel. You can increase engagement from current customers. But kind of going back to that awareness and kind of driving people into your funnel, I guess like what are some of the main KPIs that you're looking at as a CMO when you're looking down and making sure your team is effective? Definitely quality of engagement. So the quality of the engagement that we have within the ICP. So if you get specific there, it's like number of people that register for the events and attend the events. Number of people that download the content and how much content they download. Number of people that ultimately become part of the AirMeet membership experience that's coming out soon. Um, But then it's like looking at that from an ICP lens. So it's like overall engagement and then the engagement that happens within your ICP definition And then it's a matter of where is that engagement in relation to the account? So, you know, engagement happens at the person level, the contact level. Then it's like, how do we look at this when you look at all the engagement that could be happening from a group of people within one type of business, one type of account? That's the way I look at engagement. And then it's a matter of like, how can we pull people, not push, but pull that engagement through a journey to ultimately either use our free product, do a webinar for free, buy our pay-as-you-go option, buy one of our big annual plans. But like, when do we move that engagement to the point where they're actually gonna take an action that's more revenue-centric versus brand-centric? I wanna take a moment here and talk more about the importance of ICPs. Mark is really focused on the quality of engagement. So when he's building out his campaigns, everything is with deep understanding of his ideal customer profile. That means getting specific. Far too often, businesses create ICPs that are incredibly broad. And while that may feel like you're leaving room for a lot of potential customers, what you're really doing is setting yourself up for a less effective campaign overall. There's a great video from TK Cater on YouTube that walks us through the three things you should know when building your ICP. He talks all about this and a lot of other things in his video. This is one of the top questions I get a lot with startup founders, especially in the early stages. They're like, hey, can I have multiple ideal customer profiles? And the answer is you can do whatever you want, but if you want to increase your likelihood of success, you want to have one ideal customer profile. The moment you have multiple ideal customer profiles, what you really have is multiple ideal customers, but none of them is really a profile and it's not really ideal and you're not making choices, you're not making decisions. And so it's really hard to go focus a go-to-market strategy to drive growth if you don't get specific about who you're targeting and you're not putting in the thought process around what makes for an ideal customer. The moment you're creating multiple ICPs, you're essentially hedging. And that usually leads to a prolonged period of time where you don't really know what's working and what's not because you're trying too many things. And then you might actually chase after the wrong market. So a lot of things can go wrong. But if you get disciplined about one ICP and you run a focused test to really figure out how to make that work, you can either validate that this works and iterate on it, or you can realize, you know what, this is not the ICP we need to be going after. And you can go spin up another controlled experiment. That video is super informative. I recommend you watch the whole thing. I'll leave a link to it in the show notes and also on our website at magal.io. 
Before we get back to Mark, I'll leave you with this. I'm a big fan of having really good understanding of a specific ICP. At my company, McGaw, we have a fun exercise we use to make sure everybody is thinking about who our ideal customer is at every single step of the process. I'll let you in on the game that we play. It's called Where's Waldo? And no, I'm not talking about the picture book, but yeah, I'm talking about the guy from the picture book. What we do is we think about who our ideal customer is and the situation they're in when we are actually working on that campaign or on that conversion point. And what we say is, where's Waldo? And what we're trying to do is understand where is the customer right now? What are they doing? What do they want? And how do they feel? As an example, one of our clients is the largest plant seed e-commerce company on the internet. So they basically sell seeds for tomatoes, cucumbers, all kinds of vegetables. They sell them for flowers, fruits, all that stuff. Tons and tons of seeds. And one of our ICPs is an older lady named Betty. And what we ask is, well, where's Waldo? Where's Betty? And what we do is we think about where is Betty right now as she's going through this experience. And in our case, she's in her home, she's in the Midwest, and it's wintertime. Right now, it's November going into December, and it's cold outside. She's sitting at her dining room table on her laptop. Her laptop, though, was bought for her by her oldest son. It's not a fancy laptop because she's not all that technical. It's an affordable laptop, and it doesn't work well with modern browsers. So we have to take that into consideration. And she's planning her spring gardening right? She's going to get started in March or April. And she's planning what vegetables she wants to plant and what she's going to eat with her grandkids. This is exactly what I mean when trying to understand our ICP. Now, we use this practice in conversion rate optimization with my team all the time. We ask, where is Waldo? But we also do this a lot in our marketing campaigns as well. For us, that's a really good way to get people in the mindset. And we have to understand where our ICP is. I know this is not the typical ICP process you thought about. But it's my kind of version of it, if you get the drift, for some of the things that we work on, like conversion rate optimization. Let's get back to Mark and hear a little bit more about those integrated marketing campaigns he's working on. I'm intrigued by the way that you're driving people through this funnel. And it sounds like you're using an integrated marketing campaign, which are events, which you're running through your platform. It sounds like that's one of the main initiatives that you're running that are really helping you reach your goals. The way that you think about integrated marketing campaigns or integrated campaigns, it's a framework. It's like three or four parts to this framework. Events is an offer. An offer is a part of the framework. So the first thing that you start with with integrated campaigns is the audience. Who are you trying to reach, engage with, activate, convert, retain, what, however you want to describe the, the customer journey of the funnel. So it's the audience. Then it's what is the story we're trying to bring to this audience. That's a theme, that's a story, right? That's the second part of the integrated campaign model, the framework. Then it's about, are we trying to change that story at all for a more specific audience within that broad campaign? And so we call those programs. So for example, you might have uh, an integrated campaign. We call it, we have our brand integrated campaign called Join Together. That's ultimately like the biggest, highest level promise we make in the market. We help people join together. So we have a campaign called Join Together. And there's a narrative and story and messaging around that. Within that, though, there's a program specifically going after a subset of that audience. And that audience, by the way, is B2B marketers. And we're going after B2B CMOs. And you can get really specific with these programs, but that program then has a set of channels and offers and messaging for that specific sub-audience of that campaign. And then you also have another program that's just, here's the broad level campaign execution that has the offers and channels you're using to bring that messaging to life. 
from a tracking standpoint, when you think about like HubSpot, Google Analytics, SalesLoft, all these technologies that we'll probably talk about, it's like now you can see the ways in which those technologies are helping you bring those, those campaigns to life. I just don't feel like a lot of marketing teams do this enough. Walk me through, you know, building one of these event campaigns you're using to grow the company. So I mentioned Join Together, right? So Join Together is this brand campaign. It's, it's all about like, hey, our vision is a world where people can join together from anywhere, right? The distribution of knowledge workers has changed dramatically because of the pandemic. So there's this massive redistribution of people happening. So now it's like you can't connect with your customers and, and buyers in the same way you did in the past. So there's like a connection crisis happening almost, right? There's a connection disconnect, right? You're, so it's like, how do we do this? So the point of that campaign is to help people understand that there are now so many cool ways, so many unique and helpful ways you can get people to join together. It's nothing to do with Aramid. It's just like showcasing businesses, brands, organizations, ways in which you can get people to join together and create positive change. And that set of messaging will then be activated through a set of offers. You keep going back to events. Events is definitely a really you know, significant part of our campaigns. So we might do uh, an event with a customer who's done some amazing work with their audience or with some nonprofits that use Airmeet. We're going to do something actually with a nonprofit that says, here's how we've used Airmeet to join together all these people from around the world. And we've raised X amount of money through the last 12 months uh, and it's just been this incredible experience and the impact this has had on people is, is tremendous. And we're going to promote that through all these channels, right? We'll, we'll get people to go to that, that event through email, through social, et cetera, through the website. That's an example of like taking that messaging, turning that into an offer that's more of an event type offer and then activating that through the channels. We could also have an offer that's just a blog article that's about something, maybe it's like that nonprofit again, and then we're going to just turn that into a blog article. But the whole point is you're you're pulling a red thread through this campaign and you're using events, content, tools to engage and then slowly pull them through that funnel. Then we have a campaign at the very end of that spectrum that's much more product specific around our event experience cloud. And that is very different, right? Completely different set of messaging, different audience definition. And we're going to be doing much different things for that campaign. But ultimately, like the goal would be to, in a perfect world, you pull people through all three or four of these campaigns over time. And by the time they, you know, are talking to sales and they're looking to buy, they really know why you exist, who you are, how you can help them. And at the end of the day, the sales team's job then is to really help create a compelling reason for them to buy, right? Like build a business case, like establish that champion and make it so that that champion that you establish in the sales process is just selling you internally as much as you are trying to sell to them. Now, you talked about you create this awareness and you're driving them, in essence, into your website to ultimately, it sounds like to get them to register for the event, maybe you get into AirMeet. What are, the, what are the ways you're promoting that event? And then, of course, converting those users. What are some of the tools and technologies that you're driving these users through? I mean, you could promote the event through Drift. We use Drift on the websites. You know, I come from Drift. So like you could say to all your website visitors, hey, join us at our next coming event. Or you could target a specific set of audiences through that campaign that's part of one of those programs you're activating that campaign, that event. You know, if you know that this person's a CMO, you have them cookied, you know that through Sixth Sense, we're using Sixth Sense, you, you know that information, you can present different types of events to different audiences using Drift. You could do that through a tool 
We actually are exploring, we haven't bought them yet, but like Mutiny, I think is very interesting. Same thing, CTA's events, right? Organic social posts, right? Like our people are a great way to promote these events, right? Like at the end of the day, the people at these events that are speaking, that are the hosts that are going to be the ones engaging, like get them, right? Through our customers. We're, we're building out a whole customer community advisory board as part of this. Let them spread this, right? So we use pretty much all channels as you can to activate events. We use Sales Loft. We'll create sequences or add to sequences when we have these events coming up, right? Uh, so our BDRs, AEs, can use uh, sales off to get the event out. But again, all of that language in terms of how we're talking about that event and everything comes from the campaign brief. And then every event that we do that's part of one of these campaigns has a brief to go along with it. So it's really easy for us to create copies, emails, social posts, whatever it might be, because, and it's all consistent, it's consistent and it's relevant uh, because we've taken the time to define the story, the theme, like what are we trying to communicate? In modern digital marketing, integrated campaigns are becoming more and more common. This means messaging needs to be consistent and aligned. And to get aligned, you need to spend time preparing with your team. In my opinion, you should be following Mark's lead in terms of prep. Staying consistent in your messaging is going to play a huge role in making sure your integrated marketing campaign actually drives potential customers to buy your product or service. On top of that, having a well-thought-out, in-depth brief is also going to end up saving you time and money. If you're building out great briefs right from the start, you're saving yourself loads of mistakes down the road. Now, let's get back to Mark to hear about how he's powering that project brief and communication with his team and putting these things into play. Is Asana part of that project brief? And is that how like the whole marketing and sales team runs it? Or is it just marketing and Asana? Definitely mostly just marketing. Sales is definitely not Asana. But like we we will tag a lot of other teams, especially RevOps, product teams, even finance in Asana. No, I mean, Asana is the backbone. I would call it like the core backend technology that keeps the marketing team running. It has all of the offers, the ways in which we're going to activate the offer, the calendar, we try to use more of Asana to do all of our communication versus Slack because it's way easier to find things in Asana than Slack. Yeah, I would agree 100%. It's actually a problem that we see a lot, even in our own company and our clients' companies, is like there's just too much happening in Slack and then like nobody can find what we actually needed. And it's like, you should probably put that in Asana, like you're saying. And it's interesting, you know, I think a lot of companies, like when we talk about MarTech, you know, the project management tool never comes up. But just like, listen, guys, you couldn't do your job at all if you didn't have Asana. So like Asana is a huge part of your marketing technology stack because it's how you run marketing. So naturally you have this brief, which helps keeps your team aligned. And you talked about, okay, so you're using, you know, you've got cool tools, which are increasing the conversion to get into an event or get into a campaign. So mutiny, you're using drift to really get those people in. You had mentioned early, your tool makes it really easy to like track what people are doing in these events. But I guess like for the rest of the process for even your own leads that are coming through, where does that data go? What happens to the lead? What, how does the sales rep or how does marketing then use this data? And what tools is powering their abilities to do that after the event? And now they have all this data. Well, I mean, the first thing you got to do is, is understand how you want to look at the data that your website or something like Airmeet will collect. The way that we have, have designed this is through a, a very simple two by two almost. It's one axis is account, the other axis is intent. We grade the accounts that come to the website, A through E, 
We also then have a layer of here's our ICP account. But you look at uh, things like Alexa rank, tech stack, you know, probably five or six different dimensions. So you, you grade that account. Then you have to understand someone's intent. Right now, we have a very rudimentary intent model. It's low, medium, high. And it's based off of the thing they converted on. The most recent conversion, I should say, too. Uh, so for example, like a demo request or someone who requests one of our free webinars, you can do a free webinar up to 500 people on AirMeet. If you do that or the demo request, you're automatically high intent lead. Nothing else is considered high intent lead. But if you sign up for a free product, you're a medium intent lead. If you attend one of our events that we host, you're a medium intent lead. If you just register for an event, you're just a low intent lead though. So there's three classifications. We're going to be changing this to be a little bit more sophisticated soon. You have to look at intent at the individual level, but then how do you sum it up at the account level? And that's another thing that we're going to progress to, where you have each individual intent, and then you have the total like account intent. It's very interesting right? when you think about it. And that starts to look at like, well, what's the title of these people? Those titles match into your kind of core buying center and then buying groups, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, I digress because I think your question has, has been around, right? Or was around... How does this lead come into the system? So we look at like the grade and the intent and based off of those things, that's when the workflows get set up, right? That's how the routing and the notifications go out to BDRs, SDRs, or AEs based off of those two high-level things, the account fit and then the buying intent. It sounds like somebody does this, they come to one of the events, right, in AirMeet. AirMeet's tracking all the information, dumps that into HubSpot. HubSpot's doing a bunch of scoring of those accounts and those leads based upon dimensions that we know about them. Some of that information gets pushed out to sales loft and drift and things like that that enable you to ultimately talk to those people. I guess like for a lead who's going through the system, right? Like how does marketing, outside of what sales is maybe doing in sales loft, like how is marketing leveraging the data and the segmentation information you have to create unique campaigns or leverage HubSpot to do something fantastic? We're not doing too much right now. We're being very like simple and, and um, methodical because I do not want to piss people off. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't blame you there. Because like, think about it. You get all this email, you get all this junk. You get like, why am I getting spam? Like, it's better to be like, like less is more. I remember at Drift, we had a rule of like, you could not email someone. Someone could not get an email from you more than three times in a week. But like even three times, isn't that kind of a lot? That's, that seems like a lot. Still too much probably, right? Yeah. But it does if they're high intent, right? Like maybe you got to bombard them a little bit. I'm curious though, like you have all this data, you've got to be doing some sort of segmentation. Like you're super smart. You have all these different, you're very talented with your ICPs, right? So I've, I've got to assume like you're limiting the number of emails by being more segmented. We're definitely more segmented. I mean, we're that goes back to rules of engagement between marketing and sales. We could always be better here, but I think we're pretty clean between what do BDRs, SDRs, AEs do versus marketing? Marketing tries to limit email. What we could be better at and what we're working on is being better at using the website to be that source of how we segment to then like represent that buying experience on the website. That's where I think Drift is super handy. I'm very interested, like I said, in Mutiny. I noticed on your site, you're leveraging VWO. Like, are you using VWO? I know, I think your demand gen team is possibly using that to improve the experience and understand what's going on on the website. Yeah, yeah, we're doing some like headline testing. We, we could definitely be using it more, but like we just finished, I think, a test on the homepage that was all about like how many people are going to convert based off of a different headline, you know, on the hero side of things. I mean, I'm a big fan of A-B testing for sure. That stuff is like, though, so 
I think just like fundamental. Um, what's interesting these days is like, and that's why I joined Drift and that's why I'm still super bullish and excited about using something like Drift. The dynamic nature of like, you could use Sixth Sense with Drift and you could use your own data to create really nice audiences and present that differently. It not only for the, like present that for the buyer or the customer, but also then just not- notify the owner of the account of what's going on too, right? Like that's, I think, something we're going to like triple down on in 2023, now that we have like a really strong like sales team that's being built out, uh, marketing is in a great position. But like, like I don't want to have too many tools. Like, you know, beyond what we have now, we're not going to be adding any tools. I mean, there might be one more tool, like, again, Mutiny or something like it, but like HubSpot, Drift, Sixth Sense, Sales Loft. Those are kind of like your bread and butter, kind of you have to have them in my opinion. Yeah. So leads are coming in, you're grading the account, you're grading the intent, which I think makes a lot of sense. But it sounds like you're about to go into this endeavor to like complicate this stuff with six cents. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. You know, you look at six cents, you look at demand base, you know, six cents is like, well, you can't really see the algorithm demand base as you can. I think six cents is definitely a marketing technology, but it's really like a great sales technology plus marketing. So it's like, how well can your marketing team work with your sales team and then use other tools. This is why like drifts and like sales lofts and our website to create a complete picture for a customer, like a complete like uh, journey. So, you know, we have a whole like crawl, walk, run, if you will, type of plan for that. And we're not going to make multiple changes at once. Like, you know, a lot of people might try to like do a lot of things at once with like this technology, this technology, do this, do that. I always say, let's figure out the strategy and the process and the workflows first, and then figure out the technologies that can help us do that. So we've thought probably two or three steps ahead and have decided because of all those steps, this is our tech stack that we need. And now over time, we'll work with that tech stack and plus get advice from them and, and you know folks like you to implement that strategy process and workflow. And, uh, you know, hopefully we didn't make too many mistakes in, in those decisions and how we out, you know, laid it out. But then we don't have to like rip and replace stuff every like, one to two years. I think that's the absolute worst. Mark is right. It's a hell of a problem to rip and replace tools, especially when you're trying to move the company forward. To try to make up your core stack and pull something out like a CRM or even a project management tool is absolutely hell when you're trying to grow a company. If I'm being candid here, as a sophisticated company as McGaw is, we're still using Trello for project management. Like, I can't believe it. It's simply because it's such a big task and it costs so much money to migrate something that vital to our operations. Honestly, like I love Trello. I think it's a great tool. I use it with my family. I've used it for years. It's one of the keys to my success is great project management is using Trello with my teams. But it is horrible at running large-scale tech stack overhauls like we do here at McGaw. Heck, Trello is barely the right tool for when we're doing a smaller Google Analytics 4 to amplitude migration, which is a pretty straightforward project. That said, we're still going to bite the bullet one day and make the move. To where? Not exactly sure yet. But what I do know is it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to cost a lot of money and we're growing. I don't really want to slow the team down with something like that. While Mark was big on Asana, I've got my eyes on some other hot tools like ClickUp and even Monday. 
but I'll keep you updated on what we choose. At the end of the day, it's not really my choice. It's the teams, right? They're really the ones that ultimately use the product. I might still sneak around with Trello just a little bit. Anyway, that's all I've got for today. So let's kind of recap this episode. First, most successful campaigns start with a well-thought-out ideal customer profile or ICP. That means narrowing in on your ICP and understanding them as much as possible. This should be at the core of all of your campaigns and half-assing this step is going to make it so much harder to be successful. Next, you're going to spend some time making well-thought-out project briefs. Similar to my first point, the biggest help to your future plan is actually making sure you're planning and being proactive. If you're going into the project and not spending any time on the prep stage, you're leaving the door open for all sorts of issues. One in particular is a lack of alignment, and an extension of that is a lack of inconsistent messaging when you are thinking about your campaigns. Last, measuring intent. Intent is a big game right now, but a binary view of intent is going to take you nowhere. Mark is using some great tools to make intent data and segmentation of his audiences at an account level and contact level a lot easier. Along with that, he's grading those intent levels. And all of that information is going to be used to basically improve the approach they have with those leads. There's a lot of layers and it's worth digging in. So it's definitely something you should think about. Thanks for tuning in. If you're intrigued, dive into some previous episodes like Dan Woolschmidt's episode where he talks about growing revenue 480% by creating the great customer experience. And he does this all while only using HubSpot and the Google Suite for his entire stack. We have more than over 20 episodes that can teach you all types of things about how you use tools, how you do strategies to grow your business. Before you go though, can you do me a favor? Subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review wherever you are so we know how we're doing. All right, I'll catch you next time. And thanks for all of these great conversations. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.